The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Views Room, a podcast from Reuters Breaking News. I'm Anthony Curry, and here with me on the phone from Hong Kong is Peter Sweeney. How are you doing there, Peter? I'm good, Anthony. How are you? Uh, very well. Very well. Sitting here down under in Melbourne. So... Mm. Uh, finally extending uh, the podcast all the way around the world and and to the bottom of it. Um, So today, what we want to talk about is the wonderful world of cars, well, car makers. Um, We've got plenty to dig into. Pete, you're going to kick us off a bit with uh, some of the conventional automakers. I'll jump in with you. And then, of course, we'll get to the big deal of the week, the biggest SPAC that we've seen so far, although chances are, given where this market's going, this SPAC market's going, it's going to be overtaken at some point, pardon the pun. Uh, but Lucid Motors, the deal for Lucid Motors, um, one of these um, upstarts. But let's start off with um, with what's going on with our traditional friends. So the General Motors, the Fords, the uh, the Toyotas of this world. Pete, you're looking at the Japanese car makers and their results uh, recently. Um, you're feeling relatively good about them, aren't you, all things considered? Yeah, well, it is it is a mixed story. I mean, not I mean, like with with all the automakers. I mean, but clearly the big brands like Toyota and Honda um, came out looking pretty good, even despite this this shortage of, of silicon chips, which has caused some to warn of, of production output problems. Um, yeah, on balance, it looks like winter is over. People have found bottom, and certainly the stock market um, seems to see it that way. Um, you know the the. Refinitive Automobile, Global Automobile Index is up 7% outperforming the S&P 500. Um, within that, you've got some car makers that have huge bounces. Um, I mean, not all, in addition to like Mazda being up, you know, nearly 25% this year. Mitsubishi is up nearly 20%. Ford has blown up even. Um, so is GM. So, uh, you know, there's obviously still automakers in, in trouble. Um, you know, Nissan and Renault are hardly out of the woods. Um, Subaru is doing quite badly. On on balance, um, you know, people are clearly anticipating a revival in ordinary demand for ordinary cars, um, which is nice because so for so long, as you heard about, the concentration has been on these EV startups and Tesla and and all this stuff. And and I think these guys are feeling a little neglected, but but at least yeah, now the investors seem to think there's stuff there. It is bizarre because for years, you know, I, I look back just to remind myself of this in our archive, but for years. We've been talking about how so many of these traditional car makers trade as if investors think they're not going to really have much value beyond the next five, six years, five, ten years, maybe. So, you know, the, the Fords and the GMs of this world would trade, you know, to get really technical and boring now, but trade at like five, six times um, earnings, um, which implies, I mean, the general rule of thumb we have is that if you're trading below ten times earnings, then you're not growing, you're kind of, uh, you're kind of shrinking. Um, and yet we saw continued growth in car sales every year until basically 2019, I think it's something obviously last year. And here we are after the pandemic or during the pandemic still for most uh, countries. Uh, we've got car sales. Yes, they're nowhere near as bad as people thought they get, but they're they're low compared to the previous years, unsurprisingly. Um, but we've we've seen uh, so many of these car companies' stocks rise to places they haven't been in, in years. I, mean, I think Toyota's got to levels it's not been in a while. Like Ford, I know you mentioned it earlier, is at a level it's not been for three or four years. General Motors, since it's, it came out of bankruptcy in 2010, has never been at the levels it's hit this year. And that's both at absolute stock level and also any of the, the multiples you want to look at it as if you're getting a bit more technical. So it's um, there certainly is a, a, a belief that certainly some of these companies are uh, doing better than, uh, despite the pandemic, um, 
than, than people thought they were 18 months ago before the pandemic even started undermining some of their sales. Well, it's important to note here this major factor, which is impacting the outlook for both, you know, the EV and the conventional guys, um, which is China's recovery, right. um, you know, which is and that's playing out two ways. For one thing, Chinese automobile sales have been thrown off by these policy changes. You know, there was withdrawal of incentives that really hammered demand for a bit. Um, you know, there's been changes to the way they regulated and subsidized electric vehicles, you know, they kind of threw the market off. You know, and then you have the pandemic. Um, but now, like a lot of that has kind of created this very ugly base effect that has given space for signs of, you know, flattering recovery on both sides. So, you know, in January vehicle sales were up 30 percent year on year. Um, that's you know, compared to six, six percent in December. Um, new energy vehicle sales in China went up 238 percent. Right. Wow. So that's great news for Tesla. That's great. And, and keeping in mind, I mean, investors. You know, I've always been kind of frustrated that investors seem to think of of like the conventional big guys as like not EV companies. You know, like Tesla makes EVs and like you know Ford, who cares what? But like companies like Toyota, these guys are going to be massive players in this technology in the center of the market. They have the scale, they have the technology, they have all this stuff. So, so those companies deserve to be part of a, of an EV rally. I mean, they're going to be cannibalizing from other parts of their own business, but um, it makes sense, you know, for for people to start pricing these guys a little better. I think. Well, that's right. And certainly some of them have the, easily have the wherewithal to do that. Whether, of course, they follow through with execution is another matter. But, you know, let's, let's throw another car company out here, Honda, which um, changed its CEO uh, last week after six years. Um, Honda is a company no one ever really worries about much because it's neither at the very top nor the very bottom, I suppose, of the, of the stack of the, the big car makers. Yeah, um, it's kind of yet, a yawn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um. that's, part, that's part of the problem, right? It's it's. Mm. It's in a position where it doesn't sell anywhere near as many um, SUVs or even as a percentage of its sales in the US, which is what gives um, uh, US car makers like Ford and, and Fiat Chrysler and GM, sorry, Stellantis, we're meant to call it now, and uh, General Motors, gives them the ability to earn that extra money, which they can then plow into these multi-billion dollar electric and autonomous vehicle plans that, that they have. And, you know, poor old Honda can't quite do it. Firstly, it doesn't sell as many. And secondly, a lot of the SUVs it does sell are built on um, the smaller car platforms, so they can't charge as much. So, you know, you, you will see certain car companies not being able to take advantage or, or not being brought up, as it were, by, by um, the rally that's, that's helping some of the other ones. I mean, Honda is interesting in, in one way. I mean, in some of the other Japanese companies as well, is it's got this business that people, you know, just tend to forget about, which is this huge two-wheel motorcycle business. Yes. Um, where, which is actually kind of nice margins um, and is, is a good area for growth in, in emerging economies, um, you know, and they can they can green that up as well. But um, nobody like really looks at that or, or, or looks at that that seriously um, just because of the nature of the motorcycle business and, and the limits of its expansion, I guess. But um, but yeah, they've got their work cut out for them, getting people's attention, especially in the North American market. Um, so I agree with that part. But I mean, let's pivot to like. You know, so so the markets are are frothing generally. So in a way, it's not that surprising. Right. You know that that that, that to a certain extent, some of these guys are getting a free ride, having been flogged. You know, seeing their share price flogged for so long. Um, but now you've got this spac craze piling on top of this. You know, I know you've written about this. What, can you uh, tell me a little bit about Lucid and and your take on the spac trend in, in EVs? Yeah, sure. So I mean, obviously, Lucid Motors is by no means the first. Uh, to go public virus back and forth. I, looking yesterday, I found at least 12. 
uh, and there may be uh, two or three more out there that I don't know about. Um, and yeah, that includes not just the, the lucid motors of this world and the, and the Fiskers, which would like to produce car makers, but also there's, there are those producing some of the battery technology or some of the charging technology as well. Um, so so I'm, I'm lumping them all in together. But, but yeah, Lucid, at least in my mind, is one of the better companies. It's a bit hard to tell, right, because none of these have really produced anything yet. Um, we've seen lots of noise from some of them uh, about how they want to do various things. And Nikola, which was the, really the first to jump into the SPAC craze um, last year, and of course then got hit by all this talk of, of uh, being a rather economical with the truth about what it was doing, and its CEO had to had to leave to keep the company going. Um, but you know, Nikola basically was outsourcing it, so many things for the first few years to General Motors under an agreement which has since been sort of pushed aside after the, 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 the mini scandal at Nicolad. Um, mm -hmm. Lucid though, along with one or two others like Fisker and others, um, Lucid is actually producing a car. And that car, the first one, the Lucid Air is due to come out later this year. It's already got reservations, I think seven and a half thousand of them, um, which is not a lot obviously, but um, they've also- Well, yeah, and the reservations, expand. like are, are these, how much are people putting down for these reservations? Cause I've uh, seen these reservation yeah, numbers as well. Yeah, it's, actually, it's not a lot. People check get, the box online yeah. saying, I would like one of these exactly. cars. So it's not a lie. I, I could be wrong. I think it's like fifteen hundred dollars or something, and you can get the money back immediately if you if you if you cancel. Right? There's, there's no penalty for getting the money back. So who knows what will happen? Um, but what these guys are going after is very much like they're following the Tesla model. In fact, the chief executive was the guy who was chief engineer for for Tesla's Model S, which was the the great big uh, sedan, which uh, which basically get, got the, the the company properly rolling towards. Uh, towards where it is today. Um, so they're going after what they call the, uh, how do they call it, the, the, the post-luxury market. Because, <laughs> you know, any new company like this has to have some kind of awful fluff in their, in their oh, marketing. God. But basically what they mean is we're both luxurious, but we're also really, really, really good at what we do. Uh, so why that's post-luxury, I don't know, but there you go. Um, but uh, look, they've got, they've got an SUV they want to come up with in a couple of years as well. The price points are pretty high. Uh, just, I think 69,000 US dollars for the air, for the very basic model going way up from there. So basically following Tesla's model, uh, they did though say the other day, they also want to start producing Model 3 style cars at some point in the future, which is Tesla's alleged mass market car, which still sells for $40,000, $45,000 plus, so not quite as mass market as Elon Musk always wanted it to be. But look, they've got the product. They've also got some really good guys, not just the CEO who's who's from um, from Tesla, and also before that, in fact, he was at uh, Jaguar and Lotus. But you, you, know, you look at the roster of people in the executive ranks, and they come from Ford Motor, Hyundai, um, Audi, um, uh, General Motors, you, you name it, they, they, they've got them. They even got people from Apple, right? So uh, yeah, it's a good looking car company. The problem is, is that the way this SPAC has been structured really, really pushed the envelope on the valuation. Although to be fair, the people really pushing the envelope were those trading the stock of the SPAC that's doing the buying. They pushed that way beyond anything that looked realistic. I mean, I think it's just interesting um, you know, because the, to me, this fits in with this other part of the auto market that has been doing very well, which is namely the luxury part of the market, which has really rode through, at least in, in Asia and especially in China, has has rode through this whole thing, you know, with a palm. Um, you know, uh, Bentley is just saying that they expect 50 percent higher order book next year, particularly in China. You know, and now you've got the most popular you know, EV companies are the incredibly expensive, high-end, you know, fancy cars, fancy mobiles. Um, you know, it's just, just, I don't know how well it sits with me in terms of my, my more 
proletarian instincts, I guess. Yeah, but, it's, uh, it's, these it's rallies, good, are, but, but, yeah, the but, financial but all, markets are clearly cheering it. Well, of course, they, they all think that, that they found what, what they found in Tesla, which is you know, the, and they're pricing it to perfection. They think everything's going to go right, even when it goes wrong with Nikola. Nikola still trades at a, a multiple that looks ridiculous, even though it's much lower than, than some of the others out there. And, you know, it's just... I think investors want to make sure that they don't somehow miss out on yet another Tesla, even though Tesla's already trading at a multiple that makes it look ridiculous. I mean, there's no way it's worth 650, 700 billion US dollars based on where its sales are and where sales might be going in the next few years, uh, two or three years. But you know, investors love the hype. I think the forward PE is like, what, 170 or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, if, you, yeah, if you're looking yeah. at, at, at this year, next year, yeah, it gets a little less stratospheric the further out you go. But that's also, but you're also relying on um, sales really increasing, and also ele electric vehicles taking off really quickly. Autonomous vehicles becoming uh, a part of the landscape um, in the next three or four years. None of which is really going to happen that quickly, right? I mean, actually, on electric vehicles, I may be wrong. That may pick up much more quickly now that you've got the Biden administration uh, pushing and, and giving a degree of leadership to climate change, to fighting climate change. You, know, you, you may have more money coming into charging stations and other things and more tax breaks and whatever else, not just in America, but elsewhere. So who knows, maybe I'm wrong on that. But, it, it, but looking at these EV, these EV companies, starting with Tesla, but the others as well, there's this real desire to feel that I think there's a fear of missing out. And as a result, every one of these is getting pounced on. Uh, and even a bit of um, bad news isn't enough to, to, to really uh, get the valuations to go down to anywhere near realistic levels. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, at some point, the uh, market entry has got to upend some of these guys. And there's, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have my, my skeptical points about how sustainable this is. But, um, yeah, in my book, it's it's good that, uh, you know, the green push is finding some 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 support, at least at the top end of the market. And I, I look forward to seeing what these, uh, the big automakers, Toyota and so on, make of, of the mid market, which I think still still is in need of some development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's worth watching. Great. Thanks, Pete. That's our show for this week. Uh, we extend our gratitude, as always, to our producers, Freddie Joyner and Sharon Lamb. Thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Check us out every day on BreakingViews.com and subscribe to The Views Room and The Exchange on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcasts from. And please do share your opinions about our show. Join us again next week for another edition.